Welcome to Me and My Team and the News. I'm Tim. And I'm Ben. And I'm sorry we haven't been around lately with Ben back in school and me working and traveling some. It's just been really hard to get some recording time in. Apparently, school and work have to take priority over our podcast. And we're very sorry about that. But someday, we'll have millions of listeners, and we'll make so much money from advertising that we can quit our jobs, and Ben can quit school and become a professional podcaster instead of going to high school. That's a great idea, right? Yeah, I'm down with this. Yeah, there you go. High school's boring anyway. Yeah, is it boring being back in the classroom? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it was boring not being in the classroom, but at least I could be bored at my own pace. (laughs) Now you're bored at the pace of the instructors and your classmates. Yeah, and you know, sometimes the stuff they're giving me just seems like, I don't know, busy work. Yeah? And I'm sometimes like, this is an honors class, shouldn't I, you know, can't we just get to the point here, stop slowing down, do something meaningful? Well, maybe they have to, they want to have you do the busy work to really reinforce it inside your brain so that you remember it so well. That you don't even have to think about knowing it. See, that's the problem with school as a whole. It's not about learning anything. It's about memorizing stuff for the test. Ah. I mean, am I wrong? After the, what was it called? George Bush. No no, Child Left Behind. That, which basically had a a brilliant idea of, okay, so we're going to determine funding based on tests. But if you get a lower test score you get less funding. So next year, ah, you have less funding, so you can't teach as effectively. That's an even lower test score, and it sends failing schools into a spiral while rewarding the good ones with ever more money that they really don't need. Well, it's a good thing you're in a good school. I guess. so surprising you know what No Child Left Behind is, considering that was passed, I think, before you were born. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So now that you're around uh, other teenagers again, full-time, every day in school, what's what's that like? What do you all talk about? Eh, a lot of sports. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like baseball, football, basketball? Mostly football and soccer. Yeah. You know, but my high school's a, a football school through and through. You play soccer. Yeah. But so, so I talk about that. So but... you have football conversations? I, I, I try to. I can be like, I know what a quarterback is. Like, they yeah. talk about the high school team, they talk about college football, nah, they talk they, about the they, NFL. Every year for the NFL, they do a big uh, fantasy football thing. Yeah. And so that's all they ever talk about is their fantasy football team. Can you name an NFL player? Patrick Mahomes. There you go. Good job. <laughs> Yay. The only thing I know about the NFL is that the Jets are bad. <laughs> and that's really all you need to know. <laughs> it's a universal truth for all time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I don't know. Never really got into football. No, that's okay. I just feel like watching it live especially is like, oh, here's 20 seconds of action. Now a three-minute commercial. Here's 10 more seconds of action. Now a three-minute commercial. Oh, wait, that's end of the first quarter. Here's ten minutes of commercials. Yeah. And aren't those commercials exciting? Of course not. Most of them are just repetitive and out of touch with everyone. That's because they want to beat it into your brain so you know it, just like your teachers. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what else do you, I mean, do you guys talk about news at school? Not really, and if we do, it's not exactly a what I'd call 
informed conversation. I don't want to say they're dumb. I'm just saying the quality of news they get isn't exactly New York Times standard. It's more the, yeah, I saw this. Some guy shared this with me on TikTok. Ah. You know? Yeah, that's where they're getting news. Is is not from, not even Facebook, right? Where are they getting their news? Snapchat, Instagram, which I think is owned by Facebook. TikTok. Mm Mm-hmm. You know... Those guys aren't generally, you know, fact-checked for any kind of accuracy. Right. They just, they go by attention. Yeah. It's like, this has the most views. Sure, it says that ducks are purple and shoot lasers, but it has five million views, so who am I to judge? That's right. You know, that's a huge problem with the media culture now. It's just... You know, whichever title, whichever headline is the most outrageous, therefore is true according to the algorithm. Well, or it gets widespread. I think there is something to that. You know, uh, for a long time, we had the problem of having really only, you know, three TV stations, a radio station or two, and a local newspaper or two as your only sources of news. And the concern was that having so few news outlets meant that a small group of people could control the news you see. Like a monopoly? Yeah, yeah. So if they didn't want to report something because, let's say, they were all friends with the mayor and the mayor did something bad and they didn't report on it because they liked the mayor. Well, now we have a more democratized way of approaching news. Everybody can publish news. You don't need a TV station or a broadcast license or a printing press. Yeah, and I see where you're going with this, and it is good that it gives people a voice. But, you know, that's the argument that Facebook and social media companies will make. We're giving people a voice, but we don't have any regard to what they say. You know, and there's a decent amount of hate speech and misinformation. They're like, "Uh, well, it's their opinion. I don't care how many people it hurts. Now, if you excuse me... I have some money to go roll in. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's not uncommon, if you look at the history of the United States even, before TV came along, there were many newspapers in any given town. Like, you know, one city uh, might have 30 different newspapers, and there might be some in French or German that were specifically speaking to certain segments of the audience. And of course, you'd have on the other side the anti-German newspaper, the anti-Irish newspaper, the Newspapers that would print all kinds of things that were not true just to rile up emotions and sell more newspapers. Yeah, like the uh, Joseph Pulitzer. He was the guy that blamed the man on Spain. Uh, the man on Spain? No, the Maine. It was a it was a ship oh. that, you know, yeah, was yeah. harbored in Cuba. Remember the Maine? Yeah. Yes. Although most people said, yeah, it, it probably just blew itself up. You know, he was part of what we might now call the yellow press or the yellow pages. Yes, and yet the Pulitzer Prize is one of the most esteemed investigative journalism prizes in the country. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how that happened. Can't we name it like... Well, was... things change. Well, you could go after William Randolph Hearst, uh, who, who founded the Hearst newspaper chain that is now an incredibly respectable media company, but built its reputation on Hollywood scandal and salaciousness. So those products, both Pulitzer 
Uh, and the Pulitzer Company existed for a long time. It recently was sold and became part of Lee Enterprises. Um, both companies evolved into mainstream, respectable journalism newspapers, but got their starts with focusing on the salacious nature of things happening in the world that may or may not have needed a whole lot of facts involved to sell newspapers. So they were just the old-timey tabloids. Yes. So now that we've kind of come back full circle in some sense, where back then it was cheap, anybody could print up a paper, um, relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. Anybody can make TikTok videos and Snapchat videos and Instagram posts. I see where you're going with this, although I'd like to add, you know, back in the olden days, you couldn't print a million newspapers, or at least not very effectively and not without copious amounts of money. Now you can record a video, share it for pretty mm. much free, and millions of people can view it within hours. And they can be anywhere. Now you can target a specific community. So you could be in Boston, Massachusetts, and decide you want to target people who are in their 30s who live in Tokyo and spread a message to them that could be real news or not real news or whatever you wanted that might get their attention, and fill a gap that we will have as we have more and more people are spending more time seeking out content. And we do have fewer journalists creating content. Um, I was just traveling, as I mentioned, for a conference for radio, television, and digital news executives. And the story I heard over and over and over again was that after a year of media outlets, traditional media outlets not hiring, they now have all these jobs open and no one applying. They cannot hire people. Um, and we see that, of course, in many industries, but... Yeah, why would people work 60 hours a week in a newsroom when they could just, you know, make their own news on YouTube? Yes, and be faster, more efficient, and... Way more successful. And not have to start out working on the overnight weekend shift, making very little money to prove themselves. And that's one thing we've really found that has changed in the pandemic through some research my company did and talking in, with news leaders is the pandemic helped people say, wait a minute, there's another way. I need to have a life outside of work, you know, for example. And in news, particularly television news, um, the newscast always came first over everything else, everything in your life. It's 6.30 and there's breaking news and you're still live on TV. You're not going home I know, and going I, to your kid's soccer game. I, you're I kinda, staying here. I kind of remember that. I can't remember what happened. might have been like a weather thing, mm -hmm. a tornado or something, and you had to stay really late. Yeah. I, like I remember times where it was like, you know, you were, <clears throat> sorry, you were supposed to come see me play, and, you know, it was like, sorry, Dad has to go report the news. Yeah. And it was really frustrating for me as, like, a five-year-old because I didn't know what the news was because most of the time it was, guy shoots people. You remember all that? I remember a bit. Remember times when I wasn't, couldn't be there? Yeah, I remember... Uh, what was the mass shooting in... Well, the one in Dayton, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah that, a couple that. years ago. I remember. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, that was, you know, obviously many, many long days in a row starting at midnight on a Saturday night. Um, and I, gosh, did I have to wait? Did I wake you up to tell you I've I had to leave? I might have. I think you had a game in the morning or something. I feel like it was like four in the morning yeah. and you had to leave. Yeah, it was, it was 2 a.m. actually. But um, maybe even earlier. But yeah, that's true. And then when you were young, you know, so my background, I've worked in newsrooms. I was an executive producer, an assistant news director. And, you know, if news was happening, the news came first. If there was an ice storm, shoot, even if it snowed or there were thunderstorms, I stayed at the station because that's what was expected. That's what you do in news. But it meant I didn't get home a lot of nights till 8 o'clock with no warning that I would be home that late. And sometimes midnight, you know, or whenever it might be. Or if something, we had snow coming in and we needed to make sure the school closing system worked. I was in at 3 a.m. to make sure our school closings got on the air. That's the expectation and has been forever in news. But I think that's changing because people have begun to realize they don't need to do that to themselves to have a filling life. So I want to ask you, and it's a pretty big question, after the pandemic and the chaotic years of the Trump era where, you know, the media was pretty much just relentlessly attacked, where does it go from here, man? That's a great question. What's the future of news? Yeah. And is it going to be more of Alex Jones people ranting on the internet about anything they feel? Or do you think, like, a return to more reputable organizations will happen? Well, there's definitely a crying out for reputable news. So we are seeing digital subscriptions to newspapers actually have gone up a fair amount. People are actively seeking reputable news sources. The problem is what we see and hear so often is the outrageous or the irate or the the, the Alex Jones crazy made-up stories that he goes on 60 Minutes and talks about how he makes up stories and isn't it funny he can make money making up stories. Um, and yet people still read them. So that will kind of always be there. But I think what we're seeing is now consumers, news consumers, becoming more likely to pay for news that is of real quality and news they can trust. And I think that's hopeful. I think that we might maybe have to get to this point to say, wait a minute, news is valuable. It's not just a free ad supported thing. Um, But some things have to change. You know, maybe we don't need a six hour morning news show on a local station that requires a bunch of people to work The morning show goes there. on for six hours? In some places, it Who does. Who sits through those? Who has six hours to watch well, the Today Show? Well, not the no Today one show, watches like, that. Um, you know, local stations. And, you know, once you do an hour from six to seven, like, well, you might as well get on earlier. Let's do five to seven. Well, our competition starts at 4.30. We'll start at 4.30. We're already doing two and a half hours. Let's just repeat it for two and a half hours. And now we've got five hours of morning news we can sell ads around. Nobody watches all of it. Even the people doing it don't watch all of it. Uh, it's part of the problem, too. It's made news less important in the moment. It's just kind of on. And you dip in and dip out. It's background noise. It can become background noise, exactly. And that's a big thing that newsrooms are fighting. How do I do all this news and not make it repetitive background noise while still doing really important work, right? Yeah. The other part of the future news you're going to see more and more of is less human intelligence and more artificial intelligence. Explain. So there are a lot of uh, news gathering things that have always required a lot of people. 
and uh, sorting through information, going through data, making phone calls. Artificial intelligence will help do a lot of that, you know, going through FOIA requests for government records, for example. Oh, so doing the grunt work, basically. Right. And taking things that, you know, used to be, and it's always sort of true, you know, to put on a newscast, you used to have to have, um, in the control room, you'd have a news producer kind of deciding what was going in the news, a director, a technical director. director said, do this. The technical director would do these things. You'd have three camera operators. You'd have a graphics person who would type in all the graphics. Well, now it's often done with two people. You know, there's a director and a producer usually still, and all the graphics are pre-typed ahead of time by the producer, and they feed in. And as artificial intelligence gets better, you know, like your autocorrect and things like that, it'll start to take over creating those graphics and making sure they're right and putting in that timing and being able to have, instead of people controlling that output, the AI controlling that output based around parameters more and more. We already see it in digital stories. You'll, you'll notice perhaps sometimes there are digital stories written by artificial intelligence now. Uh, they're getting better. Usually you can spot them, but they're in the finance industry, the sports industry, you'll see them. Yeah. And I, I think that's going to be more and more common as we go forward in news. So to answer your question about the future of news, I think there will always be a part of our society willing to pay to have high quality news. The question will be, is that 20% of our society who gets that news or is that 80% of our society who gets that news? All right. Final question. It's one that's been bothering me for a while. You remember Myanmar? I do. Well, no one else does. Yeah. Why, why do news stories seem to be like, you know, there's a big week and then, oh, uh, hey, the problem's still going on, but now no one cares. Here's a dancing dog. Yeah. You know, it's, there's always something new. That's a bit of a thing about the news. It's new, right? Yeah. Um, and so even ongoing stories, if you wait long enough, it's no longer the top story. I mean, we were at war in Afghanistan for 20 years, but it and stopped no being the story after the first six months. You know, and that's just sort of the nature as you as a viewer. If you're watching the same thing every day, it's like, okay, I know this is happening in Myanmar. It was happening last week. Nothing has changed. I'm not going to spend time watching more of the same thing, right? I see. People don't have that long of an attention span, so you got to constantly feed them new information. That's right. And when there's no more new information, then there's no more interest in something. And therefore, you move on to the next thing. Though... Uh, there are, there was quite a bit of conversation around something along these lines about how news decisions get made. Did you follow at all the, uh, Gabby Petito story? Ah, yeah, I've been following that. Yeah? What what did you see about that? The thing is, like, why her? Thousands of people are murdered in domestic violence cases, so why is this case such, so special? Yes. That has been a question that has been a rightful criticism of media for a long time, but also something that I think is a rightful criticism of us ourselves as individuals in a society. Even going back uh, 20 years ago to the Natalie, Natalie Holloway case. And who? No, she's a woman who disappeared, I think it was in Aruba, um, and other similar cases. There's a history of the country paying a lot of attention to random cases, all tragic, of young white women, usually blonde, 
um, disappearing or something terrible happening or there being a mystery there. And it becomes national news. And everybody in, in America knows who Gabby Petito was. But you're right. There are people missing in every city every day, including people of every religion, race, age. And it's just not news most of the time. And there's really no good answer other than they start. somebody starts to run a story on it and it catches our attention and then it builds and then people are talking about it more and more in social media and everywhere else and then it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle as you have this unanswered question of what happened to her, where is the boyfriend and the manhunt part and that just becomes something that really builds and becomes a self-feeding machine of news building and building. The reality is, you know, it's a tragic story that deserves the coverage, but there are thousands of stories, unfortunately like hers, that also deserve the coverage that just don't get it. Speaking of building and building, we're doing a segue. (laughs) National debt time. Yes, the national debt and the debt ceiling. Isn't that a wonderful term? Yeah, I mean, you know... Who do we owe, like, what is it now, 20-something trillion? First of all, how is that even amount of money that can possibly be repaid? I mean, that's like 30 apples. You just, you know, print it. Um, 30 apples. (laughs) Yeah, it's like 30 apple companies. Gotcha. Well, we'll just, you know, make our own apple and then do it 30 more times, and then we'll sell them. Now, so the... First, there's the national debt part and understanding why we have debt. And uh, several decades ago, basically, economists began to figure out it was better for the economy to introduce deficit spending, to finance economic growth. On the individual cases, it's like it's better to to get a mortgage to buy a house than to wait till you can buy a house without a mortgage. Um, And this theory says it's good to always be financing, doing some debt financing to build and grow and expand because then you grow and the economy gets bigger as it has in the United States. To keep us from getting too in debt, Congress said, you know what, all right, we'll do this deficit spending, deficit financing, but we're going to put a cap on it. And when we get to that cap, it's like, no more, we can't borrow any more money than that. But what keeps happening is we get to that cap and Congress says, oh, yeah, but we need to spend the money. So we're just going to raise the cap. So why don't they just get rid of it at this point instead of having a partisan fight over it every few years? Because then every year, one side or the other gets to say, we're the responsible party. We're not going to let you keep wasting money, other party. And the other party says, dude, you're spending this money with us. So this is all just a show you're putting on because you know you're going to raise the cap. And that's the, the problem with American politics. It's more of a sports spectacle than it is actual informed debate. That is exactly right. Yay, two-party system turning it into, I don't really care who wins. I just want to see that other guy lose. Exactly. That is so true. But you had asked me earlier, I think before we were recording here, about what happens if Congress doesn't authorize the debt ceiling to go up. Ah, uh, Yeah. So there are two types of government shutdowns. One, when Congress can't agree on a budget. Uh, And when that happens, then the federal government can't spend money on anything other than some essential services. Wasn't that like the 30-day shutdown in 2019 or whatever? It was. I'm not quite sure how long it was, but exactly. That's what that was. 
The debt ceiling is different. The debt ceiling says if Congress doesn't authorize it, Congress can't legally pay the, the interest on our debts. We can't pay the debt. So what happens then, what happens if you, then is that you default. And if you default on a loan, then it becomes extremely hard and very expensive to get another loan. Uh-huh. And if you can't get a loan, you can't pay off the money you owe. If you can't pay off the money you owe, no one will loan us more money. By the way, we're trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. We don't have any money. Therefore, our government would have no money, and our economy would shrivel up like a little ball, and we would all be in deep, deep, deep economic trouble. But if we collapse, doesn't everyone else collapse? Yep, yep. So, does yep. it matter if we default? Because, you know, who's going to come after us and be like, yeah, we want our money, but if we get our money, we'll go bankrupt too. What's just as bad is that they won't lend us any more money. But And if we, we our economy and our government cannot survive without taking on debt. Is that bad? It's a little bad. It's, it's bad that it's gotten to the level that it has. So, what's the solution? Well, we could try spending less money, a lot less money, or increasing the revenue that the government has so that we would be borrowing less money and could pay some of it back. But um, neither of those things really seem to be happening much, so we're always going to go on pretending that the national debt doesn't matter and go on with our lives. Ah, so it's just one of those things like, ah, look at that scary number. Anyway... Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That that's that's kind of how we all do things in our lives. Apathetic. You know, like the climate. The climate's getting worse. Yep, boy, it's really getting terrible. Well, I gotta go to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is so- that just, you know, is there any way to break the cycle without, I don't know how to phrase it, like, who's fault is it really is it both parties fault yes oh great job both parties yeah it's uh we'll have to save it for another time maybe at some point when we become a big fancy podcast and start having guests we'll have uh an economics expert come on and talk about any potential changes or ways we could grow that or maybe they'll talk about it in high school and you take an economics class and you can sit there and, and learn about it yeah, in your yeah. very productive classroom setting. Uh-huh. Yeah? Yeah. How's that uh, 7.15 class time start going for you? No. <laughs> you're, Just no. You're not enjoying the early mornings? Why do they make high schoolers start at 7.15 a.m. when science says, hey, high schoolers' sleep schedules are about two hours behind normal humans? You should bring that up with your science teacher. Do you have a science teacher? Yeah, I got a chemistry teacher. Chemistry? No, I guess chemistry is involved. Ask him about that. And then he can assign you a chemistry research project on it. I'm good. You sure? Yeah. You going to just show up half asleep for your first six classes? Eh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Exactly. It's called resignation. There you go. The Great American Resignation now starting in your sophomore year of high school. (laughs) Those are sort of different things. But we do want to take a moment and thank one of our sponsors, Post by Futuri. We use Post by Futuri and the AI-powered podcasting 
to help make our podcast more efficient and more effective. And top podcasters also use it, you know, those who are big enough to have advertisers, to really reach out to new places and new discoverability for their podcast listeners. If you've got a podcast, take a look at posts and make see if it's a better solution for you. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, you'll want to start with posts. Just go to futurimedia.com. Look for posts. That has been this episode, and I do say we will be back soon. Hopefully, we'll try to do it once a week or once every couple of weeks. But Hopefully. We'll do it as we can, and we hope you, our listeners, will stay with us. That is this episode of Me and My Teen and the News. The News, yeah. Yeah. Wait, who's going to finish this? I don't know. We haven't done it in a while. Uh, All right. I guess I will. Sure. Yeah. So he's Tim, I'm Ben, and this is Me and My Teen and the News. Goodbye, everyone.